0: Did you know the vacation rental and tourism industry is responsible for 8% of global CO2 emissions? That means there's a lot of room for improvement. And in this episode, that's exactly what we're gonna talk about. I'm Daniel Hartz, and this is the Sustainability Champions Podcast, where we highlight the people, ideas, and innovations that are protecting and healing the planet. Today, I'm speaking with Bob Garner, co-owner of Casal De Fichi, the restored farmhouse with six luxurious, eco-friendly one- and two-bedroom apartments in eastern Italy on the coast of the Adriatic Sea. It sounds Absolutely divine. Uh, And Bob and his partner Ian built and now run this bed and breakfast with the environment in mind, which is wonderful. And whether it's their solar powered heated pool or using refillable cleaning products or growing an organic vegetable garden, Bob and Ian implement dozens of sustainable strategies to keep their property as environmentally friendly as possible. So I'm looking forward to hearing all about it. Thank you so much for joining me, Bob.
1: Good to meet you, Daniel. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Oh, likewise. And where are you taking the call from?
1: So I'm in uh, a region literally called Le Marche um, on the Adriatic coast, sort of halfway down Italy, a slightly unknown uh, region, but near Tuscany or Umbria, uh, south of Venice, that probably places me best.
0: Amazing. I looked it up on Google Maps and it looks wonderful. And uh, yeah, you said it's 39 degrees for you, which is probably close to 100 degrees. Fahrenheit. Yes, yes. A little
1: toasty today.
0: Yeah. So for anyone who's looking to stay warm, this is the place to be. Um, So, Bob, today I'd love to discuss a few things. Really, um, I think there's so many things to talk about, and and really three that I'd love three topics I'd love to, to cover is first of all about your BNB, so how is Casal de Fiki environmentally friendly? I'd love to hear a little bit about your story with how you got started with actually starting the BNB, uh, because I think it's amazing to hear um, where you came from, which is obviously very different than what you're doing now. And, and finally, any advice, tips, and tricks for what people who are living in cities uh, can do to be sustainable in their daily lives, because I think um, you have a lot of experience there. So uh, just to get a little bit of context, briefly, what exactly is Casal de Fiqui?
1: So Casal de Fiqui is uh, a set of six self-contained apartments rather than being be in fact. Okay. Because um, they're self-contained, people uh, come for the pool, for the weather, for the sunshine, for the great food and wine, uh, for the beaches. So a holiday destination, and we've obviously created it with environmental sustainability at the heart of it. Because that's a passion of ours and something that is very important today, as all your listeners and viewers will know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and what was that moment that you decided that you actually wanted to run this environmentally <laughs> friendly uh, farmhouse slash hotel?
1: Well, myself and my partner, Ian, were living and working in London. We both had uh, corporate jobs where you get paid a great deal of money. They work you really hard. And we found ourselves taking lots of holidays to compensate for the work that mm. we were doing and the stress we were under. And then we got to a point in our lives where we thought, well, do we need to continue to do this? A lot of our friends were moving around, taking new careers, moving abroad. We had no ties, no reason to not to, to make that leap ourselves. So um, we discovered Les Marquet, uh, came over and started exploring the options and decided to uh, take the plunge, buy an old farmhouse and convert it into holiday apartments. Um, We did toy with the idea of various other projects before we settled on this project, Um, but we wanted something that would give us a lifestyle that we wanted, um, some freedom. It would give us an opportunity to make a modest income. Uh, We didn't need the incomes that we were were gaining in London. Um, And it gave us the opportunity to start a new project, a new career, and use some of our previous experience and knowledge, put it into a new area that, we didn't actually know a great deal about, but um, it worked out well in the end and we're very happy with what we have now. It's a, a wonderful job uh, and we meet some fantastic people over the years.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. And, how, um, so, and, and you live there now full-time?
1: Yeah, we've been here 15 years. We live on-site um, and we're open as a business from April through to November. So it gives us the winter off to do other things that we want to do. Um, so, obviously, that's that's we're very fortunate to be able to do that. And when we're here, we're looking after our guests. We're making sure they're happy, that they're enjoying their stay, and they go home satisfied and want to come back again, which 60% of them do every year. So we must wow. be doing something right.
0: That's absolutely amazing. And the the guests that, that are visiting are... I guess there's a, there's a couple of interesting <laughs> things about Casal de Fiki. Number one is... Um, First of all, as as you described it, it's um, it sounds very, uh, it sounds intimate. Uh, it sounds like it's in a beautiful location, and just like it's it's a complete escape and get away from pretty much. And for most people, I would imagine living in a city. Um, So that would be one thing. And then the second thing, of course, is the fact that it's very environmentally friendly. And uh, on your website, you have a list where you have to keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling because of all of the amazing things that you do to stay environmentally friendly. So the people who are actually uh, coming back um, or visiting for the first time, uh, how much of of the environmentally friendly aspect of the hotel is really driving their decision to stay with you, if you know Um, that information?
1: We don't always know at first. We do have some people who come via various channels which are obviously eco-focused. So those channels, we know that that's probably a key part of their decision-making. For many others, um, it isn't, you know, honestly necessarily the top of their list, but what we try to do through subtle Conversations and discussions is make sure that everybody at least at the end of their stay has a good appreciation appreciation of why we do what we do and the way that we do it and the important things that that, that, that uh, achieves and the differences it makes so we 're always really honored and proud when people go home and they say oh i 've gone home and I've bought that special machine for making bubbly water so i don 't need to buy plastic anymore." Um, or I've started a vegetable plot, or I've put in some solar panels, or you've got me buying the who gives a crap toilet paper because they're giving their profits to uh, building uh, toilet facilities in the third world, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that gives us a, an amazing feeling, um, and I think that's really important to us, that we can communicate what we do in a very gentle and, and supportive way, but give people the opportunity to learn. Because I think one of the things that people find with the climate crisis is it's not that they don't believe that it's happening, is that they struggle to see what they can do. It's such a big issue, and it's so complicated, and they hear so many mixed messages in the media about it. They almost um, think, I can't do anything. And even if they do think they could do something and make a difference, which of course they can they're often a little confused as to where to start and how to take those first baby steps, as I call it. And so what we try to do is create a bit of an eco roadmap for them and showcase some of the things that they be done that cost no money, and in fact in many ways can save you money, and get them on the path and just take some baby steps. In my experience, and I think it's others too, is that once you go, start going down that road of taking some small steps, and we can talk about those, I'm sure, you really get an amazing feeling that you're achieving something that you are making a difference. And it gets actually really quite addictive because you go, yeah, I've just made sure I've got LED lights around my house. Well, maybe now I could join uh, a green tariff for my energy company rather than uh, using a fossil uh, fuel tariff. And then some baby steps that they can take one at a time and of course then we encourage them as we do ourselves is to talk to other people about it to use social media to engage other people i mean not in a preachy or a, a, a parochial way but in a way of saying hey look what i've just learned you know i'd like to share that with you because i think it makes a difference and so yeah. these are the sort of little acts that that um, we found really useful and we get the feedback from our guests that they appreciate it. So that's what we do.
0: I think that's, that's really excellent. I mean, um, yeah, it's, uh, I think you're right. The, this idea of, and this is a big part of the reason why I started this podcast was because I think the, the media bombards us constantly with doom and gloom about the environment. And of course, yes, if there are plenty of, problems out in the in the world, uh, whether it's climate change or the ocean with plastic and we've seen it all and and we're constantly seeing it. Um, That being said, I think there's a lot of people who are doing something about it. And also, um, even any, even the individual can, can take, like you said, baby steps to actually start making a difference. And by, you know, buying who gives a crap toilet paper or uh, cheeky Panda, for instance, which is one of my, my personal favorites, um, oh, and yeah. they, they make a uh, toilet paper out of bamboo. Um, what they, what they do is, um, you know, by, by making these purchases, they're voting with their wallet and that makes a really big difference because it just shows where the demand is and companies really respond to that. It's so important. Yeah. Um, and it really
1: is. And, and, and just to say, Daniel, sorry to, to interrupt you No, down, No worries. But, you know, we do it as a business and, and we encourage our friends to do it in, in, in their own lives. Is yeah. When you're going to buy something as simple as toilet paper, why not buy it from a company that obviously have environmental standards, as you've mentioned with Cheeky Panda and with those with Who Gives a Crap? Um, but also, you've got companies uh, that also then give that their profits or some of their profits to helping others in the third world so you're getting a sort of multiplier effect because not only are you investing and supporting a good ethical company that company itself is then doing something really important in the world so we always when we can if there's an option we will always choose the ethical company um, who are doing something good because why wouldn't you it doesn't cost any more money and the power, the purchasing power that we all have, that you quite rightly referenced there, I think is often underused by people and they don't realize that they can make a difference. And the power of one is, is incredible. You've only got to look at the amazing stuff that Greta Thunberg has achieved you know, from nowhere. So it, it's inspirational and uh, I always just say to people, well, if she can do it, she can do it, why can't you?
0: Absolutely, yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. It's. Um It's one person can make a really big difference. Um, and I think, you know, an example of that even is is the work that you're doing, um, with, with Ian, of course, you know, you found this, this farmhouse. Um, and if you take a look on the, on your website, the, the photos are absolutely stunning. You have this beautiful pool. There's a, um, uh, there's what looks like a, um, volleyball, uh, little Mm -hmm. grass volleyball uh, court. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, the views look, look wonderful. Um, no wonder you didn't leave, and you're still there after fifteen years. Yeah. I'd, I'd do the same. Yeah. Um, so how how does a hotel? because as as I mentioned at the beginning, and I got this this stat from you actually, regarding the um, tourism and um, and travel space, holiday space uh, is eight percent of our global greenhouse gas emissions. So um, yes. you know you you have a pool, you're you're you have guests. people are going to be. Uh, and I know from personal experience, when you go to a hotel, you really don't think about turning the lights off. You don't think about necessarily being careful because it's not yours. Um, yes. And I think that's just a human trait is when it's not yours, you kind of treat it poorly. Um, so how, how can, how can how, what do you do around um, Casal de Fique to be environmentally friendly and to teach people all the various ways that they can be? environmentally friendly
1: yes uh, yeah of course i mean mean, obviously we've been doing it for a number of years and you know we are not perfect we're not putting ourselves up as as the 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 peak of eco friendliness we're still learning it's 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 a journey you never Mm -hmm. get there um but you know over the years we've had the opportunity to take a number of steps and then each time we think what can we do next year we always look for feedback from our guests as well and they give us suggestions as well so, of course, we've done some of, the, some of the big things, the solar panels. We've got an electric charger for electric cars, which some of my guests uh, arrive in an electric car. Hmm. Of course, we drive an electric car ourselves. Um, we um, obviously do things that, are, that, that most people are doing, the recycling, the cutting down on the, on the single-use plastic. Um, we use various companies, one particularly that we like called Splosh, where you can refill the dispensers for the cleaning products or the hand wash, um, and those products are delivered to you in a concentrated form, which you then rehydrate. Oh, wow. So you're getting a double benefit there, and there are many companies that do it, because the less carbon in the transportation of the products to get it to you, because it weighs less. Um, and then, it's, of course, you continue to reuse those plastic dispensers because they last for years. There's totally nothing wrong with them. You just need a little bit more time to fill that product uh, and keep it looking brilliant for the, for the guests.
0: Yeah, absolutely. With, with Splosh, um, uh, it's a great great concept because it, it makes no sense to transport water. Every, yeah, we exactly. all have, I mean, we're all very lucky to have water. Um, and so if they can just give you either a concentrated form or, or some sort of powdered version of it, then first of all, in one little bottle, you can get probably 10 times the amount. Um, and, and yeah, and then you can just you just reuse it. Um,
1: yeah. Which is yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and I think the other thing that we're probably the scheme that we're most proud of is our Treedom tree planting scheme. Um, we've won some awards for that, so we're very grateful. Um, and so how does that work? Essentially, we wanted to do something about offsetting carbon. Uh, we, we understand, I'm sure all your listeners and viewers understand, that trees are good for the environment. They absorb carbon dioxide. They emit oxygen. Trees are the lungs of the planet. We need mm-hmm. more trees. So we approached a number of local restaurants and ask them if they would give a discount to our staff when they dine there. Uh, We only chose the ones that we would use anyway that we recommend, Uh, and they do. And then we highlight those restaurants to our guests. We give them a little card, which explains how the scheme works. When they've come to pay their bill, they show the card and the, the restaurant gives them a discount. So they then come back and give that discount to us. We add our contribution and we send that money off at the end of the year to uh, an Italian NGO called Treadem. They organise the planting of trees all around the world, um, and those trees are geotagged, they're photographed, they're monitored, they're they're given to sustainable subsistence farmers, pardon me, to plant uh, and to maintain and to manage because it's vital that the trees are not just planted and left, they have to be appropriately managed. Um, And so the guest has, through their act of going out to eat at zero cost to them, gone home, having planted several trees. And you can imagine the feeling that they have, that they've helped create their holiday to be environmentally sustainable, simply by doing what they were always going to do anyway, by going and eating at restaurant A or restaurant B, and so it's a very, very simple mechanism that takes almost no effort on the guest part and at no cost. We get to plant the trees, we give a contribution, the restaurants are financing it, and we've planted hundreds of trees like that. And we can then give the guests a certificate which shows them what they've done, what they've achieved, and they can look online and see how that tree is growing and how much carbon it's absorbing, et cetera, et cetera. it's cetera. It's, it's a really, we think a really, cool idea uh, and we're really pleased with
0: it yeah i think that's a it's a very creative way of doing it and i'm first of all I'm a, I'm a huge fan of trees i i agree i think um out of you know there's a lot of challenges that we're facing as we mentioned earlier um in the environment personally my favorite is um Trees, I think uh, planting trees is kind of my it's the soft spot of of my environmentally friendly heart, I suppose. And um, so I think it's such a such a great scheme, and it's so clever. I mean, I I would have never thought of that myself. You know, like um, basically uh, to just um, plant trees while people from people's um, going out to eat at restaurants and and getting that discount, and basically uh, planting. The, uh, the difference uh, yeah, or donating yeah. the difference how, where did that idea come from I think it's so cool
1: it, it, it actually came from the fact that we were the founding one of the founding members of another organization called the Star Throwers, mm-hmm. which again we have on, on our website so the guests can understand how we fit into the bigger picture of trying to do good as short term rentals in the world because it isn't just about what we do it's about what's happening all around the world so as I say, we were the founding members of the Star Throwers, and the essence of the Star Throwers is that each vacation rental or hotel or b will do something good in their community. They will see a gap that needs filling, and they will step in and do that. It might be cleaning a beach. It might be planting trees. It might be sending educational materials to children. It might be supporting um, the building of a well. Whatever it is, wherever in the world, whatever... the. We want all people in our industry to take a lead and do something not for any other good other than they see a gap and it needs to be done. So, of course, as in the founding of it, we had to say, well, what's our, what's our initiative going to be? And uh, we thought, obviously, it's going to be environmentally focused. Um, as you say, we support trees as you do. And then we came up with the idea uh, that I've just explained to you. Um, And then we've since expanded it to um, carbon offsetting. So again, now if guests wish to, they can also leave an amount and we will offset their carbon. We give them a carbon calculator, we explain how it works, uh, which is really simple, as you will understand. And then we can offset their carbon from their flight or from their car journey or whatever it might be, which of course now most of our guests do that as well. So that's been another enhancement of the scheme. We say, you know, if you planted one tree, you could offset your carbon. Oh, and by the way, here's this treatment scheme that will do it for you. Um, I mean, I would give one caveat to that. I mean, carbon offsetting does sometimes get a bad uh, pitch. And it is important to choose the right company and to choose uh, the right system where those trees will be supported and they will be cared for and they will grow so that they can fulfill their potential of absorbing the carbon that they need to absorb there are some schemes that really don't work very well hmm. um, and that over-promise uh, and under-deliver. So for anybody looking to do it, and I would really encourage people to plant trees because it's a it's a wonderful feeling and it has a great effect, but the, the choosing of the right partner to work with is important. Uh, and that's why we chose treatment.
0: Yeah, I think that's, uh, that is uh, very crucial indeed. And I think, yeah, a big part of what's... Um a, a challenge with this carbon offsetting kind of uh, i'm not sure if you call it an industry or space or whatever you, you would refer to it as is um just this this idea that you know carbon offsetting sort of makes it sound like well it's okay for us to emit co2 as long as we just plant some Absolutely. Um, yep. so i think it's as they, as they at least used to say, I don't know if they still say it in the U.S. It's all part of a balanced um, breakfast kind of a thing. It's all part of, it's one of the ingredients necessary.
1: It is, it is, but it is not a way of just clearing your conscience and carrying on doing just what you, what you want to do. It absolutely it, should not be that.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it's. Um, I don't think. Well, at least my my point of view is it makes sense to uh, to do what you can where you can and where you are now, um, which is like what you said, small steps. Um, And then, you know, if you can uh, donate a few dollars, pounds, euros, whatever it is um, to offset, then that, that helps, you know, if if you're doing both, if you're reducing your CO2 uh, or your greenhouse gas emissions and offsetting, then you start to kind of meet in the middle and hopefully you do a bit of more of both.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, we have a target to try and reduce our carbon footprint year on year. Yeah. Um, okay. And of course, as you move through the process, some of the changes and the improvements that you can make are, are more incremental. But for those at the early stages of their of their environmental roadmap, if I can put it that way, you can make some really impactful changes quite quickly um, and make quite a big difference to your carbon footprint and uh, the global carbon footprint. So. Um, I'd really encourage people to, to look into it and take some baby steps.
0: Yeah, speaking of baby steps, um, you told me before we started recording that there is no air conditioning, despite the fact that it's almost 100 degrees or 39 right. degrees uh, Celsius. So, what, what's, um, why is there no air conditioning?
1: No air conditioning because air conditioning is really bad for the planet. It, it creates a great deal of carbon footprint, um, as, as most people will know. Um, the The systems in place uh, are developing and are improving, but they still have a big impact on the environment. Um, it is really unnecessary here. Uh, it's it's hot, but we've designed the building in a certain way to create airflow. We have nineteen Velux windows in the roof. The Velux window it swivels open. You can see one above me here behind. Oh, yes. uh, so the airflow goes up through the building and out the roof. Um, We've positioned the bedrooms all on the north side of the buildings, on the cool side of the building. The important thing that people have a cool bedroom to sleep in at night. That's really important. We also have um, a farmhouse with very thick walls, which keep it cool in the summer and warm in the winter. So a combination of those, and obviously fans, uh, most of our guests find it's not a problem. Occasionally, we'll get somebody who's looking for air conditioning and we say, Well, this isn't the place for you. Let me recommend somewhere else. But uh, we have guests that come back. So clearly, they must enjoy it and be comfortable.
0: And uh, I suppose there's always the fan um, if, if it gets absolutely. really hot.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: the, the other thing that I absolutely love about uh, Casal de Fiquí is your, uh, where you get your food and wine from. Right, okay. So how, does, um, um, how local is it?
1: Well, we have a vegetable plot and an orchard, uh, so we encourage our guests to take from that. We have an organic vegetable plot, which is quite big. Um, and so when people arrive, well, in fact, before they arrive, what's actually important is that you communicate some of these things before they arrive, before they get to the supermarket and buy the things that they don't need to buy. So we have a series of communications that takes them through what we need them to know we have a vegetable patch please help yourselves i mean so no food miles you can just go and pick your tomatoes pick your cucumber pick your whatever your lettuce take it straight back to you of course of course we have basil as the english basil yes (laughs) (laughs) yes of course yeah all the herbs are there Uh, and of course it's really fresh it's organic people take it straight back to their a beautifully appointed kitchen and cook themselves or prepare themselves a lovely meal. So people enjoy that. It's just a little simple gesture. It costs nothing. I look after the garden, I enjoy doing it. And people love the idea of having fresh ingredients that have not been contaminated, and not been flown halfway around the world. They don't have pesticides on. Uh, They're healthy and they're fresh and they're nutritious. So that's, that's important. And mine, again, we have a vineyard nearby. One of the things that's uh, often, I think, misunderstood about recycling is, of course, recycling is brilliant. But what's better than recycling is not buying in the first place, not buying the bottle, not buying the product. So using something over and over again. So we will give our guests a demijohn, which is a five-litre bottle, which they can take to the local vineyard. The wine is filled up on tap. They bring it back and they can be decanted into a smaller bottle, put it in their fridge, etc. And that's fine. Um, They obviously then don't have to buy bottles that could be recycled, but better not to have bought the bottle in the first place. And they've got a beautiful local wine right there waiting for them, which is very cheap nine euros for five liters so wow not to like
0: <laughs> and i'm sure it's absolutely delicious i mean that's that's so it cool is. um yeah i think i think going back to the to the that point of there's the the three r's or i think there's actually five um and i don't remember the other two are the three are reduce reuse recycle and mm. i learned that or they,
1: refuse as well
0: there you go refuse. i think that's the fourth one and then there's a fifth one um exactly um and i'm I'm sure that people listening to this will will know what it is, and uh, you'll have Indeed. to forgive me, I don't remember what it is, but um you have yeah refuse, reduce, reuse, recycle, um, and I think that's the most important thing um, you, they're in order, recycle is basically last on the Absolutely. list um, yeah. so yeah, recycling is important it's just not the first one that you do
1: yeah. It is not the be all and end all. It's no. the it's the ultimate stop if you can't do something before it.
0: Exactly. And as far as um, local vegetables from your vegetable garden, I mean, if you like, I love tomatoes. I love basil. Um, and if and I bet Italian tomatoes and Italian basil are the most delicious. So I mean, this is it. Doesn't get any fresher than this. I mean, they're like a minute Absolutely. or two minutes old. Um, yeah. Yes. by the time you're yes. cooking them. And that's if you choose not to eat them straight off the vine. So
1: yeah. Yeah. it
0: must yeah. be divine.
1: Yeah, and of course the same with our free-range eggs You know that we give to our guests and the olive oil from our trees that we make, we give them that oh, as well. Wow. So they, they, can, uh, they can help themselves to whatever we have.
0: Do you have a, a press on site? Or how do you make your own no, smell? No,
1: we, we collect them, we harvest them each November. And then each local village in our area has a press you take it to your, to your village and then they press it there for you. And I, I tell you, you know, we've been living here a number of years now and we are total olive oil snobs now. I bet. You know. The, the, the best advice I can give to your listeners and to your, and to your viewers is buy the best oil that you can afford, that is the freshest, that is the newest. Olive oil is the opposite of wine. It does not improve with age. If it's more than a year old, it's already lost most of its flavor and its punch. Uh, um, So, buy small quantities, buy fresh, buy from the producer if you can if you're visiting a country that makes olive oil, Um, and there's a huge, huge difference in the taste between olive oil that's a week old or a month old and olive oil that's a year old or more that's been sitting on a supermarket shelf. So, that's my my little tip.
0: Oh, that's very helpful. Thank you very (laughs) much. Yeah. First thing I'm thinking of is how old is the olive oil in my kitchen and uh the second thing i'm wondering is uh how can i tell if i'm buying from just the the store how old it is Things to yeah, research nice. and this really is a problem clearly that you don't have which is very we nice do not. <laughs> yeah so if anyone wants fresh delicious olive oil uh casal de fiki is the place to go um you you recently did and i'm, I'm um uh you recently did the Al Gore. Climate Reality Leadership Program, and you finished yes. it recently. Um, I've heard yes. about it, and I've spoken to uh, someone else in a previous episode briefly about it. Um, I'm, I'm, it's a very interesting program um, because it basically gives you, from what I understand, uh, the tools that you need and the resources and the knowledge to essentially teach others on first of all, the situation that we have with climate, and then second of all, what we can do. That's my understanding. Yes,
1: yes, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to do it. I, I consider myself reasonably well-educated on the climate issues. I have read a lot of books. I read articles. I listen to several podcasts, including your own, of course. Thank you. Um, and uh, I consider myself reasonably educated, and it's a complex issue. There's a lot of information out there. But because of what we do here, and because um, I started to speak more publicly about the issues around tourism, uh, hospitality, and climate change, because it's, it's about a wider impact that the tourist industry is having, um, and the flying, the accommodation, the transportation, uh, the over-tourism in certain areas. Um, And I um, speak on behalf of uh, an organization called VRMB. I'm on the faculty of that organization. Um, And that's an organization set up uh, to assist people in our industry, the the sort of people, my peers and colleagues around the world. And so I, I talk regularly about climate change and tourism and the impact. And I'm trying to educate and cajole and influence my peers across the world to take some baby steps so it isn't just about what individuals do it's what businesses do as well and I believe businesses like ours thousands tens hundreds of thousands around the world each have a responsibility to to take some baby steps and there'll be different steps for different people in different situations based on where they are in the world and what what they're capable of doing but I believe everybody's capable of doing it And my role and my industry is to is to make that difference, and I need to try and do my bit to influence those people. So it, it, I decided that a, a while ago, I wanted to do the, the algal uh, leadership uh, program. But of course, in the past, it's always been in person, and it's meant right. flying halfway around the world to do a program which is about climate reality and climate crisis. And I wouldn't criticize somebody for doing that, I just wasn't prepared to do that myself. Um, so now, this year, the first one has gone virtual. I thought, yeah, this is the perfect opportunity. So um, I did it along with you know, several thousand other people, and uh, I learned a lot. Uh, it was really interesting to listen to the scientists, to understand in a bit more detail about the impact that the climate, the climate crisis has made uh, on the planet and will continue to make, and how it will continue to get worse. And also some of the solutions, the industrial solutions, the technical solutions, the governmental solutions or the regulations that are changing and that need to continue to change to, to make a difference. So having my background and having my reading, having this uh, training makes me feel more confident in talking about the, 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 the climate crisis uh, and that I have a little bit more authority behind me because I've, I've been through that training and, of course, the whole purpose of the training is that then you, you then go out and educate. You then go out and communicate. It isn't there just so you can feel better that you've understood the issue. You know, My role along the, with the role of other people is to go out and talk to their community, talk to their industry, talk to their family and friends, um, and spread the word about the facts, which are very clear, uh, and try and make a difference in that way. So my audience seems to be mainly going to be the clients, the customers that we have here, which is several hundred a year, but I do have an opportunity to reach tens of thousands of people in my industry through my other channels that I work with. So it seems that's the best way that I can focus my energies because I have a, a route in there um, yeah. and so that's what I'm trying to do.
0: That's fantastic. Do you, would you recommend that others, um, or maybe the better question would be, uh, who who would you recommend this program to?
1: I would recommend it to anybody who's prepared to put in the time and the commitment, to anybody who um, believes that there is climate change and, but also is prepared to do something afterwards. It, as I say, there is a, an expectation that you will uh, talk to others, you will communicate, you will do presentations, you will do interviews, um, you will, you know, join a podcast like this, for instance. It, it, it's it's about spreading the message, spreading the facts. So. Anybody who has a commitment uh, to the issue of climate change and is committed to do something about it after the program, I would encourage you to do it. Hmm. I think the next virtual one is in September.
0: Okay, and if I'm not mistaken, it's free, right?
1: It is free. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's totally free. There are no, no costs involved it's other amazing. than your time.
0: Yeah, well, I think that just goes to show the commitment that they're making in terms of. Um, they're obviously not profiting from this. They're clearly, uh, well, Al Gore and his his team are clearly looking to. To make an impact, rather than yeah. to uh, just get a bunch of a bunch of cash <laughs> from um, yeah, indeed teaching people. Um, one question that's that's fun, and um, and we're starting to uh, to just wrap up here. But um, I, I like I enjoy asking this question. Who do you admire in the sustainability space overall?
1: Right. Obviously, I can't say you. That would be far too sick of fancy, wouldn't it, Daniel?
0: <laughs> uh, I suppose so, yeah. I, I, I've never... Wow. I might be blushing. I don't know if I actually blush, but I might be. <laughs> well, yeah. Um,
1: obviously, there were people like David Attenborough, Greta Thunberg, George Monbiot, uh, the journalist. Um, I would all... I would definitely put those as, as as some heroes. I would also say Christiane Figueres, Um who was responsible for the work leading up to the Paris Climate Change uh, Agreement. Uh, she's an amazing figure. Uh, she also hosts a podcast called Outrage and Optimism about Climate Crisis, which you, many of your viewers and listeners would be aware of. I would also say Lucy Siegel. Uh, again, she does another podcast that I listen to called So Off Right Now. Um, and she is an environmental journalist. So right. I, would, I would put those people as somebody that I... Listen to I look up to, and I'm interested
0: to hear their views. Interesting. Well, those are some great names to uh, to follow. And um, yeah, if anyone hasn't listened to those podcasts, I actually personally haven't listened to them myself. So uh, I'm going to check those out. I think that's that's really cool. And maybe there's a way that we can um, uh, either have uh, Christina and Lucy on the show, or maybe I can I can uh, speak to them. That'd be really cool to uh, to hear their points of view. Um, and finally. For anyone who wants to eat fresh olive oil and the freshest tomatoes, basil, and other Italian foods and enjoy some peace and quiet in a um, self-contained apartment in on the Adriatic Coast in Italy, where can people go to find you uh, and actually learn more about the work you're doing and, and ultimately actually book um, book a stay with you?
1: Sure, sure. They can come to us on our website, casaldifiki.com. I guess you'll put a link in the show notes because it's a a complicated uh, title. Um, And I would also encourage them to take some steps wherever they're living at home and and take some steps to make a difference in their lives. Um, They're not difficult and you'll get a lot of satisfaction out of um, making some changes, small personal changes in your life.
0: Yeah, I think just going back to that point, I think you're, you're absolutely right. It's, um, you know, you, you don't need to go somewhere special to accomplish being environmentally friendly. And I think that's the point you're making here is you can actually do it at home and it it can be as simple as changing the toilet paper that you use, um, uh, or, you know, you mentioned bringing reusable bottles to, well, you have a winery that does that, um, Waitrose here in the UK is testing out um, uh, reusable a reusable scheme w- with yeah. alcohol as well, not just um, not just dried foods. So there are ways to to do it, and sometimes, and this is what I love about sustainability is sometimes it, it's actually more uh, it's more financially beneficial, meaning it's cheaper. And like you yeah. said, nine euros for five liters. I yeah. mean, that's less than right two now. euros a liter. Um, yes. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, depending on how much you drink, that that can last for a good amount of time.
1: <laughs> it could indeed. Yeah. yeah, but you know, they they always say, and you know, these are three difficult topics. I totally appreciate. But the three things that is commonly understood to make the biggest difference that one could make to your carbon footprint yeah. is: don't fly, don't have children, and don't eat meat and dairy. Uh, now, those are three huge challenges, and we don't underestimate those. Personally, I'm a a vegan. I've been a vegetarian and a vegan for 40 years. Um, But if people could at least cut down on their meat, they can make a significant difference to their carbon footprint. If they can, you know, cut down on meat and dairy, that's one big thing they can do. Of course, we need to have children. Uh, It's just a fact that if you have more children, there's going to be a bigger carbon footprint, of course. But of course, also, could people could, could fly a little bit less or look for an alternative. Um, put some LED lights in your home, choose your uh, energy supplier who has a green tariff. There's an easy step you can make, which will probably save you money. Um, There's a whole list of things that you can do. Um, And I would encourage people to look them up online about the 10 top things they could do. Or if they want the easy route, just come to our website and they're all listed there for you.
0: Brilliant. Well, on that note, um, as you said, uh, bobcasaldafiki.com is in the. uh, It will be in the show notes. The the spelling, at least for me, would be very tricky. Uh, Once you see it, you'll you'll recognize it. Um, But otherwise, yeah. Please, uh, thank you so much for your time, um, and really appreciate the work you're doing. I, I love that you've taken um a derelict farmhouse and turned it into this uh, environmentally friendly oasis so uh for anyone who's interested in, in taking a look at, w- at what bob and, and ian are doing uh check out their website and maybe you'll uh want to s- spend a few nights there thank you so much bob
1: okay my pleasure thank you very much
0: thank you very much for listening to this episode if you enjoyed it give us a five star rating and also please subscribe, whether on your podcast app or on YouTube. And that way you can be the first to know about new episodes. Thank you very much and talk to you soon.